that you can be a pretty average person to produce really superhuman results if you think and act in unison differently than most people. Welcome to Hardly Working, a podcast about how we can improve work, life, and everything in between. These are recordings from live conversations on Fishbowl, a social network where professionals of the same industry have anonymous career conversations. You can join us live next time on the Fishbowl app. We have events every day. Okay, let's do this. Fantastic. Well, welcome, everybody. So glad that you are here. We're going to have an awesome interview with Ed Milet. It's a pretty rare privilege to catch some time with him. I think you'll enjoy meeting him. I'm going to be guiding the conversation. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Rory Vaden. I am an entrepreneur. I'm a New York Times bestselling author myself, and I am a fellow speaker. And Ed and I are friends and colleagues, and I've gotten to know him a lot here more over the last just couple months, just really working closely together with him and getting to know him as he's been really focused on this book, which is a big part of what we're going to talk about today. Let me go ahead and officially introduce Ed as you know, he's getting his audio and everything. But if you're not already familiar with Ed, he is one of the most recognizable faces in personal development today. So he has over 3 million followers online. A few years ago, he was named to the Forbes 50 wealthiest under 50 years old. He's a very, very successful entrepreneur. He owns a number of different businesses. And Success Magazine recently named him as one of the 125 most influential leaders in the industry. He has a show, a podcast, it's called The Ed Milet Show, which is hosted by Sirius XM, has several million downloads, and every single week he's interviewing peak performers, people like David Goggins and James Clear and uh, John Maxwell and Mel Robbins, Jay Shetty, a lot of these people who are personal, personal friends of his. And he's got a new a book that literally just came out yesterday. So the book is called The Power of One More, The Ultimate Guide to Success and Happiness. This book, everyone, has already sold tens of thousands of copies. The book has been in the top five in Amazon for the last week or so. There's already reviews that are rolling in. And so this book is basically a chance to access the inside of Ed's brain and just what he's learned from all these interviews and just through achieving success at the result that he has in his own life. And so I'm just excited to interview him. We'll share some of those insights. And uh, so, Ed, are you here with us? I'm here, brother. Can you hear me? Loud and clear, man. We're so excited to have you. We've got people from all around the globe here that are popping in live. By the way, if you're with us live, you'll see a little link in the lower right that says uh, invite link. We would love for you to click that link and share. You'll see you can share this to your LinkedIn profile, to your Twitter, so your friends can get a chance to listen to Ed. So, Ed, what I wanted to start with was tell us the story about your father and where the concept of this book originates from, The Power of One More. Well, there's two applications, Rory, as you know. The first one is my dad, when I was growing up, was an alcoholic. First 15 years of my life in a drug addict. And so some of you can relate to having dysfunction in your family, whatever it could be. You know, it could be divorce. It could be abuse. It could be drug. Maybe they just didn't love you enough, right? Mine was my dad was an alcoholic and we were driving in the car one day and it altered my life because my dad made one decision to change his life, which was we were driving. I never saw my dad cry before. 
And this is the first time I ever saw my dad crying. He was driving, but he wasn't talking to me. So finally he pulls over and he goes, Eddie, and I'll never forget the words. He said, I'm going to try to quit drinking one more time. And I said, that was the first one more I'd ever heard him. I, I said, well, dad, what would be any different this time? Because my dad tried several times. He said, well, and he's crying. He said, I'm going to lose my family. I'm going to lose you and your sisters and your mom. And the truth is, you deserve a dad you can be proud of. And your mom deserves a husband she could respect. And the truth is, I'm going to give it one more try. In fact, there's a chapter in the book called One More Try. And that led to hundreds of one mores. But that one decision my dad made completely changed our family's life forever. And that's the second premise of the book, which is that we all have dreams and visions for our life, right? Most people have a pretty good picture of what they'd like or if you're young and you're on here, something you want to create in your life. But and this happens a lot even when we're young. The problem we have is we think that dream is further away than it is. We think it's 20, 30 years away. And if we continue to believe that, we'll perpetually keep it there because we act in accordance with that belief system. But the truth is you're one decision away from changing your life. You're one meeting, one relationship, one thought, one emotion from completely one conversation like this from completely changing your life. It's a lot closer than you think it is. And then in the book, Rory, as you know, it's very detailed. I give away 19 strategies to help you become happier or more successful that are very detailed. None of them are things you've ever heard of before. None of them. Every single one of them is something new and cutting edge. Yeah. One of the things that I love about that that's totally new, you know, there's a chapter, I think it's chapter 10, where you you open by saying, hey, I've got a revelation for you. You likely are not going to hit your goals. <laughs> and, and I was like, well, there's a new line, you know, from a personal development book, like, hey, you're not going to hit your goals. But then you go on and you talk about the difference between goals and standards. Yep. And you're right. I have never heard, like I have read hundreds of these books. I've written a couple. I've never heard someone talk about this distinction in such a powerful way about the difference between goals and standards. Can you just like highlight that? for just a second. Yeah. Well, it's kind of ironic because the previous chapter is on setting goals. So, and my point in the book is that if you set real goals that are big and bold, at best, you'll probably hit 25% of them in any given year. Maybe you'll hit them eventually. So we don't always get our goals. We've proven that, right? Everyone listening to this has proven that. You've had goals you've not gotten in your life. So I sure have. In fact, there's some this year. I'm going to miss for sure. But let me tell you what you always get. You always get your standards. Ultimately, you will always get your standards. And so the way we really change our lives is we link our goals, our new goals, with a new standard. And when you do those two things, now the achievement level goes through the roof. And I'll give you an example. A lot of people struggle with self-confidence. I have a chapter on that. I don't know if I was the first person, Rory, or not to say this. I think I am, but let's just say I was third. Everybody says it now. But if you want to develop self-confidence, you have to keep the promises you make to yourself. We've all heard that. And if you haven't, it's true. If you don't have self-confidence, you have a reputation with yourself of not keeping promises. And when you begin to change that and you start keeping the promises you make to yourself, you transform into a self-confident person. And I did that. I know what it's like to live decades with no self-confidence as a little boy and a young adult, and even through college and into my beginning of my business career, no confidence. The truth is that's not just because I had low self-esteem from having an alcoholic dad. I didn't keep promises I made to myself. And they can start small. When you're going to get up in the morning, how much water you're going to drink in a day, how many phone calls you're going to make, how many hours you're going to dedicate to a particular craft. And when you begin to keep those promises, you start to be able to keep the big promises and you change your life. The question is then, what's the higher standard than that? How do you become superhuman? And it's a different standard. Because listen to me, everybody. The difference between winning and losing, happiness and sadness is so small, it's almost too scary to talk about. I'm 51 years old. And the difference, the separator is so small. 
And what I found is that difference is the standard. And so my standard is very simple. I keep the promises I make to myself and I do one more. So what does that mean? If I say I'm going to make 10 phone calls a day or 10 contacts, I keep that promise and I do one more. If I'm going to make 10 repetitions in the gym on the bench press, I do 10 plus I do one more. If I'm going to tell my daughter I love her every day, I do that and I tell her one more time. And you start stacking up those one more as you change your life because your standard is different. Now you can achieve any goal. I mean, it, your life is such a great example of that, of just the compounding effect of that over time. Another thing, you made this comment, Ed, of, of how the concepts in The Power of One More, this new book, are things that people haven't heard before. And I wanted to highlight another one for people that is around how you think about time. And you talk about doing three days in a day, the three-day day, and how that has been a strategy that has helped you tremendously. I've never heard anybody talk about this idea. Can you walk us through you know, a lot of professionals on here? Like, what is a three-day day? Sure. Well, it's actually a real day. So I accepted something when I was young. I say young, I'm at my early 20s. And that I, there was nothing super special about me in terms of intellect or, you know, my ability to solve problems. There just wasn't. So how was I going to produce an amazing life? I did do things other people weren't willing to do and think ways other people don't think. So Think and Grow Rich, Roy, is my favorite book other than the Bible. But the truth is, it's my favorite book. But you don't just think and get rich. You have to do things. And when you link a thought and and an action together, now you produce a result. And that's what I wrote about in the book. So as it relates to time, I did create more time. So how did I do that? Here's what I found out. 24-hour day is the most antiquated, ridiculous concept of all time. We still measure time the same way people did 300 years ago. It's insane. 300 years ago, if I wanted to reach you, Rory, I had to write a letter. If I could find something to write on, write it, stick it on the back of some horse. 30 days later, maybe you'd get it. And then you'd have to write me back and stick it back on a horse and pray I got that. Now I can text you, and one second later, (laughs) we're communicating. But that guy got a 24-hour day, and I get a 24-hour day? That's insane. When I was in high school just 25 years ago or 30 years ago or whatever the heck it was, 40 years ago. Gosh, it was 40 years ago. My goodness. Man, I'd have to do a report. I'd have to go down to the library, find an encyclopedia, research something, write a bunch of stuff down. Come back. It'd take me hours. My daughter now goes on Google and the report's done in four minutes. There's a thing called a smartphone. There's a thing called email. and There's a thing called electricity, for God's sake. There's cars. And the time is managed the same way in a day? Don't you think we should be slightly more productive with these things? And so I just flipped the script. And so now a day for me is 6 a.m. to noon. That's a freaking day. And in that day, I'm trying to get the faith, the business, the fun. Some of them are just chill days. Productivity, joy, all that stuff in that day, just like it would any other day. We've all had a morning worry where we go, man, I got more done this morning. I've Mm. done in three weeks. Well, why Mm -hmm. shouldn't that be every day? That's the end of a day. And then at noon, this clock goes off. My day's over. And guess what I do? I reflect for a minute unconsciously. What did I get done? What didn't I get done? What do I need to focus on? What am I grateful for? What do I need to double up my efforts on? What's left on the list? And then noon to 6 p.m. is day two. At, at about 6 p.m., a clock goes off. And it really does if you do this for a month or two. The day's over. What am I grateful for? What did I get done? What do I need to double my efforts on? What didn't I get done today that I want to make sure I do tomorrow? And then 6 p.m. to noon, midnight is my third day. And sometimes I sleep in those days, of course. Sometimes I watch Netflix, just like you would any other day. The point is, I get 21 days a week. Stack that up over a month. Who's going to win and be happier and have more memories and make a bigger difference? Stack it up over a year. Stack it up over five years. Now stack it up over 35 years, like I have. 
And people wonder, Ed, why are you worth $800 million or whatever the heck I'm worth? Because of this and because of my standards and because of what's in the book. Why have I been married to the same person that I met in kindergarten and have a pretty rich family life? Because of the things in the book. And so, and the other thing that happens, Rory, when you bend and manipulate time like this, is the world responds to you differently. Because mm -hmm. what's scarce is perceived as valuable in our culture. That's why diamonds are worth more than paper. So when your time is more scarce, people begin to respond to you differently than they did when you had 24 hours in a day to get with them or to get back to them. It's just one of 19 concepts in the book that'll trans literally transform you over an extended period of time. Yeah, it's a tremendous sense of urgency, you know, having to get to know you a little bit here the last few months of just, when you have 24 hours in a day, there's a lot of room for, you know, distraction to creep in in space. But when you have a six-hour day, you're going, man, I, I don't have much time. And that sense of urgency translates very much in your life. Again, well, Rory, I can duck interject, but like, I'll give an example. This idea of one-hour meetings. Why are all meetings an hour? Because there's mm -hmm. 24 hours in a day. I told you today, this interview we need to do is 20 minutes today. Well, why? Because I have a full day. I got six hours in. But the other thing that happens in a six-hour day, you check in with yourself more frequently. Most of us check in as we're brushing our teeth at the end of our day, don't we? Or we're changing our clothes. Or we're ready to go to bed. Every 24 hours, we check in with ourselves. Well, what if you were doing that now three times a day? That's how you calibrate time, when you awake and when you check in, when you're accountable. So I'm just proof that you could be a pretty average person. I, there's nothing extraordinary about me. You, you could be a pretty average person and produce really superhuman results if you think and act in unison differently than most people. And one of those ways that's very easy is to – everyone I just said is like, dude, he's right. That is crazy that days are still 24 hours. Even, even in the same measurement of time of 25 years ago when there was no smartphone. Think about the difference of email. It's incredible. Think about how frustrated we get when, like, the Wi-Fi is down for five minutes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we, used to, we used to live like that every day, right? So when we're going to manage time the same way, that's crazy. Yeah, well, and the amount of success that you've had, I want to just point out to people, like, one of the things that has been most inspiring to me about Ed is he's a philanthropist. And I haven't said this yet, but 100% of the proceeds – from this book, you know, so last week we did this huge event with all these amazing world-class speakers. It was Ed's event. Ed was there. And Ed spontaneously decided the night before the event that he was going to donate 100% of the proceeds from the sale of the book that happens this week to the families in Uvalde, Texas. And there was a horrific tragedy that happened here in the U.S., affected these dozens of families. And you know, you talk about the power of one more and making one more move, one more decision, one instantaneous change that is going to affect a lot of people. Um, if you go to maxoutlive.com, you can see the bonuses that Ed's given away for people who order this book. And 100% of the proceeds are going directly to these families. And one last little concept, I know we don't have you for very much longer, Ed, but your ability to make that kind of a move and just suddenly basically snap your fingers and have hundreds of thousands of dollars flow into these families who are in their time of need happens because you teach this concept about you're the one. So when you talk about the power of one more, like you're the one in your family, can you talk about what does it mean to become the one, you know, in your home life, in your family or at the office? Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at all the precious souls on here today. There's so many people that are with larger firms, and many of your firms I've come and spoken to before. 
And second chapter of the book is called The Matrix. I love that movie. Most of you have seen The Matrix. And I love the movie for a couple different reasons. Number one is Neo's the one in that movie. Now, if you watch it to the very end of all of the movies, you'll figure something else out about that. But the one. And when I was a little boy, I lived right here in Victoria Beach. I was blessed last year. I bought an island. You know, I've just had crazy things happen in my life. And um, But the beach that I live on here, I used to walk on this beach with my then girlfriend in high school. And I say, babe, I'm going to get us a beach house there someday. <laughs> and I'd go home and ask my dad, dad, who are these people that live on oceanfront homes? My dad goes, I have no idea who these people are. I've never met one of them. I don't know who they are. They're probably Martians. So I had no idea who they were. And then as I got older and I got into business, I started to figure something out, man. And here's what I figured out. See, when you meet a very happy or prosperous or even just successful family, somewhere back in their lineage, they weren't until the one rose up. And the one is the person in every family who changes that family forever. They change the way the world looks at them, their perception of them, the way people think, the way their family thinks. And in my family, I'm the one. In my family, I'm the one that finally came along, not because I would hoped for it or I'd like to or I thought about it, but because I was willing to fight to change where my family is in the world. And in every family, the one eventually rises up. And I'll just give you one more thing about that. In the book, I write about the reticular activating system in your brain. That's your matrix. You already live in a matrix, whether you're in the corporate world or an entrepreneur. You already have a matrix. And this matrix is its like a confirmation bias of your brain. It proves to you, the RAS proves to you what you believe to be most true. And what's important to you, it finds. From an auditory perspective, it seeks it out. From a visual perspective, it sees things. Perfect example of your RAS at work is when something's important to you, it will reveal it to you. When it's not, it hides it from you. And so I just bought a Tesla. Everywhere I go, anyone who's ever bought a new car, you've experienced it. Everywhere I go, what do I see on the road now, Rory? Tesla. Mm -hmm. Red one, Tesla. babe. What? Driving my wife crazy. I'm like, babe, there's another Tesla. Three lanes over, other side of the freeway. Go in the other direction. Babe, Tesla, black one. She's like, my gosh. She goes, I can't believe you see them now. And I said, babe, they were always there. But I never saw them before because they weren't important to me. Now I see them everywhere. The key thing in life, and I teach you how to program your RAS in Chapter 2, Create Your Matrix, is to begin to make the Teslas of your life those relationships, those meetings, those thoughts, those accounts. That's the difference. They've always been there, but you're not seeing them because your RAS is programmed incorrectly. Or you're not hearing conversations you will eventually hear when you visualize correctly, like I'll teach you in the book. That's your matrix. So that's why when you walk in a loud room, even if it's not said louder from an auditory perspective over the other sounds, your own name you can hear. Rory, you can hear it in a loud room. Why? Because it's important to you. But if I said, Tom, you don't hear it because it's filtered out of your RAS. Too many of us, the relationships, the emotions, the accounts, the meetings, the money, the feelings, whatever it is we want, are not in our matrix. But what is in our matrix is what we think about most repeatedly because we move in life towards what we are familiar with thought-wise and emotion-wise. So if your thoughts or your anxieties or your average or your lack or your fears, your matrix reveals them to you. And this is the difference that separates people in life. So this is not like another book. You won't turn to the second chapter and go, oh, I've read this one before. Everything in the book is something that can directly impact you. Not all of it. Some of it will be stuff that you won't use at all. But it will make you a better parent, a better leader, a better person, a happier person. I call it the ultimate guide to happiness and success. And those are completely different things. They're not the same thing. I know a bunch of successful people who have not yet found happiness in their life. And I think by reading this book, I can give you some of the tools, the few that I know, that can help you.
Absolutely. Ed, I know we only had you for 20 minutes. This has been an extremely powerful 20 minutes. I'm going to stick around to answer questions for folks, and we're going to keep the conversation going. Um, I know that you've got a bail. You've got a super tight schedule, but thank you so much for making time for us, for the gift of this book, and for supporting these families. Hey, thank you. And Rory, one thing I'd probably want to mention, everybody, if you weren't familiar before today, go follow me on social media. I've got a powerful podcast that you can absolutely benefit from. And if you go to maxoutlive.com, there's information on my book there, but there's also some really cool gifts that can help you in your life as well. I'm just here to help you and to serve. So thank you, Rory. God bless you, brother. Thanks, brother. Well, there you have it, folks. So that's Ed Milet. I want to give you a chance to ask some questions here. I'm going to highlight, I want to take a couple of the things that Ed just talked about in that conversation. We'll go back through and we'll highlight some of them. And so we talked briefly about this. You heard Ed talk about the difference between goals and standards, right? And goals are what we want, right? Or they're what we say we want. But standards are what we accept. And they're what we become accustomed with. And this idea of the power of one more is when you create an intention for your life and you say, hey, this is something that I want. It's not just putting a goal out there. It's raising the standards that you expect from yourself and raising the standards. You know, you heard Ed talk about self-confidence is the process of keeping promises to yourself. Like it's the result of I say something and I do it. Every time I say something and then I do it, it fortifies my integrity. It fortifies my character. It strengthens my reputation both with other people, but also with ourselves. And when you do that over and over again, right, the power of one more, and you make a promise and you follow through, you say you're going to do something, you do it. It creates this tremendous power in your life. And the confidence is from knowing that you really are capable. So if you, and, and by the way, I see some hands coming in. You know, if you, you want to message your questions to Rachel, then Rachel can help us actually screen the questions. And maybe, Rachel, you can help feed me any of the questions that are coming in so that we can we can pick them off that way just since we got a lot of people on here. But, um, you know, I just want you to think about to yourself right now, um, if you, as you're listening, what goal do you have for your life? Like, what goal do you have right now uh, in your career, in your personal life, you know, for your marriage, for your health, for your finances, um, and write that down and then ask yourself, what are the minimum standards that I have around this? Because those are things that are actually going to influence what choices we make, what behaviors show up. So we have somebody here, Rachel, you brought in. Is it uh, Masi? Masi, are you there? Yeah, hi. Um, I had that question. Um, How do you get the book? Like, how much is it? Uh, yeah, so right now, the book is number seven worldwide in all books on Amazon. If you go to Amazon, they've got it discounted. So the book is $28. Right now, they've got it discounted all the way down to $19. You just go buy the book on Amazon, then go over to maxoutlive.com, click the box that says complete the bonus claim form. And uh, so if you buy one copy, you get to watch Ed's opening keynote If you buy four copies of the book, there's a link or a button on that page. You get to watch the entire event. If you want to see the whole event, 
don't go to Amazon. Go straight to maxoutlive.com and you'll see a button that says um, buy four books. If you just want to see the keynote of Ed and get a copy of the book, there's some other bonuses. Then you just go to Amazon and then just go put in your receipt number on that page. So Okay, sounds good. Thank you so much. Thank you, Masi. So anyways, so one of the things that he was talking about was time, right? I asked him about that. I'm particularly interested in how highly successful, you know, wealthy, wealthy doesn't necessarily mean success, but it's one scorecard, if you will. Um, But I'm always very curious at how super influential or highly successful entrepreneurs or, you know, even pastors and people who run huge nonprofits, how do they think about time? And when Ed was talking about the three-day day, he's basically just saying, look, instead of thinking of a day as this one big, long window, shorten the time horizon. Think of it instead as more of like a six-hour window, right? So I guess what he's talking about there is, you know, if you sleep for six hours, then you have three different six-hour windows after that you know, while it doesn't change the amount of time that we have available in a day, which is part of the point, what it changes is the way that we think about the time that is available. When you shorten the time horizon, it realizes how tight things are and it creates this sense of urgency. And this is something that we see super common with people like Ed, um, the clients that we've interviewed and people we've profiled, the people that Ed has had on his show is that they have an extraordinary sense of urgency. They are valuing every single second. There's this precious value on, you know, every opportunity, like every day, this idea of the power of one more. Like, what if you only had one more date with your spouse? What if you only got to have, you know, one more afternoon with your kids? What if you only had one more chance to like, launch the project that was going to change a company. Like if you really knew you had this limited window, we would treat it differently. We would hold those moments more sacred. We would hold those moments as more precious. We would treat them with intention. We would curate the moments in our lives with a very specific intention. We wouldn't allow so much time to waste away, but yet most people do. Most people, we know that the average American, at least, okay, the average person in the U.S. spends 27 hours a week watching television, right? Then there's several hours on top of that where they're on social media. Now, social media can be a great thing. It can be a great tool for business. It can be a great you know, way to reach people with a positive message. And, it, it, you know, you can learn things. Uh, people like, you know, me and Ed, our social media profiles are basically just, you know, free education, like free inspiration free entertainment and insights from being around each other and and other types of authors and speakers. But it also can be a massive time suck and a complete waste. And so what matters is your intention. What matters is the care and the concern that you have for each moment in your life. And what Ed is talking about here with the three-day day is going by shortening your day, you realize, I don't have so much time. Like, I only have six hours to get stuff done. And so you operate with a sense of urgency. Just like you would if you knew that today was the last day in your life. If you had the ability, if you had the foresight, if you had the perspective, if you had the power to know how many days you had left, all of us would live with more power. We would live with more focus. We would live with more intentionality. We would serve more. We would, we would 
soak up the precious moments of love. We would work with ambition. We would pursue life with this sort of boldness to go, I only have so much time left. Like, I don't have time to waste because the clock is ticking down. And here's what's crazy. That is how it is. That is how it is for all of us. Like, whether or not we use the three-day day technique that Ed's talking about, you know, in whatever chapter this is, I think it's chapter, let me look, it's chapter four, okay? So this is chapter four of the book that we're talking about, The Power of One More. Whether or not we actually use that principle, that is how it is. The only thing is we don't know how much time we have left. Once we do, once we set that label to go, all right, I only have six hours, all of a sudden we move faster because we realize the scarcity of time that is available to us and it's so precious and that causes us to activate right? You don't have to be smarter. You don't have to have more skills. You don't have to have even a better education. It is just changing your mindset and realizing that time is scarce. And now all of a sudden I activate, I come alive, I engage and I move with a sense of purpose and a sense of urgency. And that's what he's talking about. And this is amazing to me because you know, Ed is the kind of person that most people write books about. It's a pretty rare opportunity that somebody like him would write a book. You know, he's the kind of person that gets profiled in books and people write books about him because he's worth several hundred million dollars. And, you know, he wouldn't say this. I'll tell you, like the guy has five jets. I mean, like it's a whole different level of what, you know, most of us are going to experience or be used to. And so to get a chance to access his mind and to go, how does he think? And he didn't come from money. He doesn't have an Ivy League education. He didn't have wealthy parents. He didn't win the lottery. This is a guy who grew up with an alcoholic father, and there were moments in his life where he literally had to step. He would listen to when his dad was coming in, into the house, and he could tell if his dad was drunk by the way that his dad was opening the doors, like by the way that the keys were going in. And he knew that if the key went into the lock cleanly and there wasn't a lot of noise, he knew his dad was sober and everything was cool and that his dad was like, going to be the jovial man that, you know, was his hero that wanted to play catch with him and love on him and his sisters and and his mom. But if he could hear the keys jangling against the door as his dad was struggling to get the keys inserted into the lock and the scratching of the key as it sort of clawed on the wood of the door as he missed the lock, he knew that his dad was drunk. Before he even walked in the door, he learned how to read people. And he learned this at five years old he would intercept his dad. He would tell his sisters to go upstairs so that he could go intercept his dad as his dad walked in to make sure that nothing would ever happen to his sisters. And, you know, that's where Ed started from. This is a rare opportunity to access somebody's mind to go, how did you come from that? How did you come from the kid intercepting his alcoholic father, trying to make sure that his sisters were safe you know, growing up in Boston area, coming from nothing to one of the 50 wealthiest people in the country. How did you do that? And you go, it's right here in the book, The Power of One More. And I have to tell you, the more that I'm around people like him, it's amazing to me because I always thought, you know, like in many ways, I'm, I'm a skeptic, very analytical. Like my undergraduate was in accounting 
And, you know, a lot of what we do is we help a lot of experts, you know, with their digital marketing and helping get their message out, which is how I got to know Ed. He's actually a client of ours. And so I've always had this very sort of nerdy, logical, analytical mind. And so to me, the idea of these sort of like, you know, personal development books or motivational books, I'm like, yeah, really? Like, I mean, is this really what successful people do? And now the older I've gotten and the more I've been around these people and, you know, look, I speak at these events, right? It's always the people like Ed who are in the front row. You would think the people who buy these books are the people who really need them, right? The people who are broke, living paycheck to paycheck, trying to figure out a way and going like, here's the secret. It's right here. It's actually the most successful people who read all the books. It always amazes me. It's not the people who need it the most. It should be right? The people who are early in their career and young or, you know, people who've had a hard road and just, you know, maybe haven't figured it out yet or who are struggling because, you know, maybe they had some challenging circumstances or they lost a job or they got COVID or, you know, like there's a number of reasons why life is difficult for all of us. But, you know, if you're struggling, you need this. But what's amazing is it's, it's always the most successful people who are actually the ones that read the books, who go to the conferences or, you know, in this case, watch the replay of the event. And so it really is the secret. And, you know, this applies to me too. I was, I was raised by a single mother. I was born in a trailer park in Boulder, Colorado. That's where I grew up. And my mom had been divorced twice by the time she was 22 years old. And that's where I came from, right? Like Ed and I became friends because we share a lot of that same background. And it's like these books these, you know, reading these books have the answers uh, of turning turning your life around. Uh, Rachel, were you going to ask? Oh, a, yeah. were, were you going to ask a question? Uh, yeah, I was yeah. going to ask. Um, since I, you know, right now it is trending on Fishbowl. A lot of people, you know, kind of like the recession. People are some people are losing the job. Some people are still kind of job hunting, like hopping right now. Um, do you have any tips for people, whether it's you know from learning from Ed or for yourself, since you're also um, kind of in that space um, for the audience. Uh, yeah, just like if they're going through a tough time right now with yeah, like job like, transition. Yeah, I think a lot of people right now, um, you know, are there's a lot of people going through a hard time. Of course, the news has also been very heavy. Um, so, and I know a lot of you know from from Ed, it's a lot about like mind shifting and things like that. But any like kind of key takeaways for the audience, kind of what they can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'll point you towards chapter seven in his book is called One More Dream. And in there, he talks about just sort of the power of vision. And here's what I would say matters a lot right now, especially this matters for all of us, but especially if you're going through a tough time, the story that matters the most is the story you tell yourself about yourself. All of us are writing a narrative about our own life and about the world around us. And unfortunately, what most of us do is we watch too much news and we believe what we see on TV. I will make the case here, and, and Ed you know, has talked about this too, like we don't say, we'd say don't watch the news ever or don't pay attention to what's happening in the world. But the reason why you might need to discount that some is because you need to understand how media works, okay? Media, like news shows, news outlets, whether it's, you know, following them on Instagram or it's uh, watching their actual shows or it's listening to their podcasts. The way the media companies work is media companies make money through advertisers. That's how they make money. So in order to survive, they need advertisers. Well, the more people who watch, the more money they make. 
So media companies are not in the business of telling the truth necessarily. Okay, I'm not saying they're they're liars. Uh, you know, some of them you could maybe make that case, but I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that far. But you got to understand the fundamentals of of what's happening here is they're they're not paid for delivering truth. They're paid for delivering eyeballs. They're paid for holding your attention. And so they're in the business of attention. And what grabs people's attention is the unusual. What holds people's attention is the unexpected. And we know, this is a psychological fact, that what captures people's attention is fear, right? Like nobody wants to watch a show about grass growing all day. Like it wouldn't be a very exciting show. But if there is a child that has been abducted, you know, and the odds of that happening are like one in some astronomical number, like it's extremely rare how often it happens, yet it will dominate the news cycle. And it makes us feel like, oh my gosh, like the world is falling apart. And so it's not that there's not bad things happening in the world. There are bad things happening in the world. There's always bad things happening in the world. There always have been bad things happening in the world. The difference about today versus in the past is we didn't know about them, right? Before social media and the internet and this ability to connect globally instantaneously, there were always bad things happening. We just weren't aware of them. It's not that the world is worse than it's ever been necessarily. It's just that the word spreads faster. You know, media companies are incentivized financially by holding your attention. So they're going to put things out that capture people's attention. Scary things capture more attention than good things, right? Like, you know, you're not going to see something on a mainstream news channel that says, man, there's a guy, Larry, who went next door and mowed this old woman's grass for her. What a great guy. Like, we just thought we would highlight Larry, right? None of us would watch that. Like, but if we go, man, there's a pandemic and it's destroying lives and there's, you know, there's inflation. The reality is, for people like me and Ed, right, we are entrepreneurs. We are looking for people to hire. So I, I say all this to say what matters the most is the story you tell yourself about yourself. It's amazing to me how employees who are looking for a job will tell themselves the story, oh my gosh, nobody is hiring, everybody's laying off, there's so much competition. And literally, at the exact same moment, everybody I know who's an entrepreneur that owns a company is like, I am desperate to find good people. Where are the good people? Like, I cannot hire good people fast enough. And so which one is reality? Well, the answer is they both are because the reality is whatever you tell yourself the reality is. What matters most in terms of what affects our behavior and what affects our outcomes in life is not what is true or false. It's what we tell ourselves to be true. And that is a story that you define for your own life, which is what vision is. And that's what he's talking about here all in chapter seven on the power of one more vision. He's talking about, you know, he grew up in a neighborhood, right? In this area in the Northeast, you know, it was like a rougher neighborhood. And in the kind of neighborhood he grew up in, most people are told you'll never amount to nothing. Nobody cares about you. You're not smart. Who do you think you are? You can never pull that off. You don't come from the right family. You don't have the right education. 
And statistically, some of those things might actually have been accurate, but they don't matter. What matters is the story you tell yourself. So if you believe those things to be true, then they become true. But if you tell yourself a different narrative, if you say, no, I can learn anything I need to learn. I surround myself with positive people. Like, you know, just like I'm talking about this opportunity to buy this book is a chance to say, I learn from the wealthiest, most successful people in the world, whether that's Ed, whether it's, you know, other authors like myself, uh, other podcasts. It's just, you have to curate what comes into your life. Um, and so that is the most important part, right, is is the story you're telling yourself about what's possible for your life and your career. And by the way, that shows up tactically when you go to a job interview, right? Like if you show up on the job interview and you go like, you know, nobody's going to hire me. What do I have to offer? I'm sure they can't afford me. You know, they're just going to lay me off or I'm so nervous versus going, I'm a person of value. I am a real expert. I invest in myself and my craft. I have a tremendous amount to offer to a company. I'm a great interviewer. I'm great with people. I have tremendous leadership potential. All that's changing here is the narrative you're telling yourself, but there's this cycle. You think it, you speak it, you act, and then it happens. Something that we call it the creation cycle. It's actually from, from my first book, Take the Stairs. But it's the same thing here, you know, Ed would call it vision is how do you create a vision? First of all, you think it, you have to have the thought, right? And you, you, for most of us, when we have a positive thought, like, Hey, uh, here's my dream job, or here's what I'd love to get hired for, or here's the salary I'd like to get, or here's the company I'd like to work at. And most of us don't even allow ourselves to dream because if we did, if we allowed ourselves to dream, the very, the next thing that would show up is this voice in our head that says, oh yeah, but you're not smart enough for that. Like, yeah, you could never get a job at Google. Like Facebook would never hire you. Like, who do you think you are? Like, you'll never make that much money. And by the way, if your brain does that, it doesn't mean you're destined for failure. It actually means you have a perfectly healthy, functioning, normal human brain because the human brain, talking about biology here, the human brain is not designed for success. The human brain is designed for survival. The number one job of the human brain is to keep you safe, not to help you be successful. The way that you stay safe is by doing things that are comfortable and familiar and doing things that conserve energy. But the way you become successful is by learning new things, getting outside of your comfort zone, meeting new people, talking to new people, taking on new risks, stretching for new things. It's doing one more. It's pursuing one more goal like Ed talks about. And the fact that your brain says to you, oh, that's not possible, it's just a defense mechanism that your brain designed to employ. Like it's the neuroscience of your brain because it keeps you safe, which helps you survive. But if you're gonna be a successful person, you have to rewire your brain. You literally have to form new neural pathways and you have to create a new way of thinking. And that's what Ed is outlining here in The Power of One More. So much of this is curating the story in your own mind, making sure that you are specific and deliberate about what you allow into your world to shape the way that you think, both about what's happening in the world around you and about your own abilities. But as an entrepreneur, 
I could speak pretty confidently for myself and for Ed. There are so many companies that will make room for a great person. If you find someone who is truly impressive, confident, hardworking, humble, intelligent, and highly skilled in a specific area, like entrepreneurs will do everything they can to get those people because a business is nothing other than a collection of people. So the company needs you more than you need them. And you just got to remember that and know that especially if you're doing the kind of things that we're talking about, especially if you're investing into your own personal development, someone's always going to be there to hire you. There's always going to be a company that needs great people. Yes, your skills, but more, it's your character. It's about what type of person are you? What type of philosophies do you have? Are you positive? Are you a good leader? Are you a good communicator? Are you living and believing and following you know, the kinds of principles that Ed talks about this brand new book, The Power of One More? So you can follow him on social. You can follow me on social. My Instagram handle is at Rory Vaden. That's where I'm most active. Yeah, Ed, And Rory, is, what book yeah. do you have? You are also a New York Times bestseller. So what book do you have out that people can check out as well? Yeah, yeah, you can check that out. So um, so my first book is called Take the Stairs. And then my second book is called Procrastinate on Purpose. So you, you can check that. But if you, you know, most of what I'm doing right now is just been helping promote my friend, Ed, because I really believe in him and I really believe in this book. And I personally have learned so much from him, even though I have spent years, you know, learning about about this kind of stuff. But um, yeah, so thank thank you for that, Rachel. And thank you so much for having me. And thank you for all of you for um, showing up here live. If you missed the, the interview with Ed, he was here with us for about the first 20 minutes. Um, so, and I guess, Rachel, you're going to make that, uh, the recording of this available somehow. Yes. So you can look in your profile for past events and you'll be able to catch the, the recording with Ed and, and the rest of his conversation with Rory as well in your profile. And then you also can link back to his book in there as well. Fabulous. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Rachel. Of course, everyone. Have a great rest of your Thursday. That's all, folks. Thanks again for listening to Hardly Working. Join us live next time and talk directly to the speakers and, who knows, end up here. Fishbowl is a social network where professionals of the same industry have anonymous career conversations. You can download Fishbowl on the App Store or Google Play. If you want to host a Fishbowl live event, get in touch at live at fishbowlapp.com. See you soon.